admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. What they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. to another episode of Bond Backwards with the Holmes Movies podcast team. My name is Anders Holmes and I'm joined by my brother by my brother Adam over Skype in America, a country that has uh, thrown out uh, social distancing and uh, reacted to a pandemic with uh, protest, which is an interesting uh, response. Yeah, it's a bit, it's, um, well, it's interesting. It is interesting, but uh, yeah. So we started to talk about the Bond films. We took a sort of memento approach and started with the last Bond film, which was Spectre, and sort of working our way towards the beginning with Doctor No. We wanted to review all the Bond movies and, uh, uh, you know, sort of in the wake of the, re- the sort of before the release of the new one, No Time to Die, which sadly was supposed to come out a few weeks ago, but has been delayed till November. So this today, we got through the Pierce Brosnan era, like old or error, depending on your point of view. Ah. And uh, now we are into sort of underrated territory. And uh, we are going to be talking about uh, actually my I I saw this again recently. And um, I would have to say that this might be my one of my number one favorite Bond movies of all time. And this is uh, Timothy Dalton's second and final film as 007 and that is licensed kill originally titled license revoked but then they changed the title which uh did yeah i mean license revoked is a bit lame yeah um, but then as a title i mean even by bond standard yeah but then that kind of screwed up their marketing because then they had to retract they had to recall like every poster that had license revoked and then not that many people saw like because you know th- this is like before the internet so they wouldn't know about it and stuff unless you saw it in like a bus or something it was like oh there's a new bond film out license to kill i'm gonna go see that interesting um yeah i suppose it is i mean marketing is important i mean this is and yeah i mean and bond i mean their their whole the whole franchise is you know the poster design everything else is is very um you know you associate bond with marketing almost as much as you do you know star wars i, I think maybe less so these days because there are less I mean, there are fewer um, tie-ins with toys or with, um, you know, kind of products. I guess you get your, you, you, you know, your aftershaves and things like that. But generally speaking, it was more of a thing before, pre-internet, as you say. Um, 
But this film suffered for it, didn't it? Didn't do it, as well. It did suffer. It did suffer a little bit. I mean, it it was made for thirty two million dollars, but it only made one hundred fifty six million dollars at the box office, which could be down to the marketing, or it could be down because. Uh, well, what license- was it supposed to have made? What? What would it? What it? What would have been a reasonable rate of return for a Bond movie? I think at this point, maybe something close to two hundred million, or something over, like a little bit more over one hundred fifty million. Right, fair enough. But yeah, so as I was sort of getting onto that, this film is, I mean, Living Daylights, which I'm sure we're going to get onto on the next episode, that, you know, did have a different sort of tone to it. It was very different from A View to a Kill, which is, you know, we, I mean, we'll, of course, we're going to talk more about Roger Moore and stuff, but I feel like that sort of style of the Bond character. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Getting carried away. Um, yeah, let's, um, yeah. Um, I mean, we don't want to talk about Never Say Never again either. So let's just um, focus on uh, focus on License to Kill. I mean, License to Kill is is I, I agree with you. I'm really glad that you share my opinion, which is that it's uh, it's one of the better Bond movies. It's a different kind yeah. of Bond movie. Yeah, it doesn't... That's, that's that's sort of what I was getting onto because it is a very it's a very violent movie. This is a violent, gritty, dirty movie. <laughs> With not that many, with not that many one-liners or gadgets or anything like that, it is a very like, it's a very violent movie. And like when this film, well, came, I, I mean, I don't know if it's I mean, like, I mean, for the time, it's not, it's not, it's not like Scarface. No, or it's not like it's, it's Scarface. Just... But I think people who who associated Bond movies, they were like, oh my god, this is really violent. I can't take my kids to see this. And then Timothy Dalton, when you know he was in like interviews, and he was like, well, yes. You're not supposed to take your your kids to see this movie. They were never meant for your children. You know, if you're like, it's like a there's like a documentary footage of Ian Fleming talking about the Bond movies, and he's like, "This man is a heterosexual spy. Is not meant for schoolboys." <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ian Fleming has got his own well, had his own set of uh, issues, but um, let's just say around uh, misogyny and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, the, the Bond. I mean, this is the stupid thing about the Roger Moore years is that so many of those films end up being essentially, you know, family movies um, and going back even to something like Diamonds Are Forever, which is like as it's like half of it is, it's half a comedy caper and half a, a, a camp spy movie. And I think, yeah, you're right. You know what? They're, they're really making an effort to get away from that. Um, I don't agree that it's like I, I don't think it's like a really gritty, like violent film necessarily compared to certain like movies that were coming out at that point um i think compared to other bond films yes um but it still has that sheen and it still has a certain bondness i think this the reputation it has for being totally like off the deep end is not justified it still has huge moments of yeah. of james bond kind of like you know touchstones you know all the stuff with um you know, there, and there are some gadgets and things. I'm not. I, I think I have to push back on that a little bit. Like, I think. Yeah, that I'm not this saying there's like there's no gadgets. I'm just saying there's not a lot of gadgets, which of course you know that which were frequent in a lot of the Roger Moore movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think. So. But I think the the way in which it is different primarily is how much, as you say, how much the, the way the violence is portrayed. You actually see more injuries and you experience more. You know. Uh, moments of like um like blood and guts or whatever you want to call them yeah um and um and there's some pretty like visceral stuff in there um and um yeah so it is a it's definitely very different in that regard and i i I like it for it you know i think it's refreshing i think it is um 
it's you know it was time for a change um, after Roger Moore, and I think that they did two. You know, they've done two films. We'll talk about Living Daylights, but License to Kill really represents a, a, an opportunity to do something completely different. It's um, they look around at the fashion, they look at what is it, Miami Vice and shit like that, and they think, okay, well, yeah. let's get involved in that world. Let's get involved in the world of like a, a story about drug lords and made up Central American countries, and you know. Make, I like, think it succeeds. I think it. Yeah. I think it could stand up against a lot of films of that, you know, era. Yeah. A lot of sort of tough cop movies or whatever. You know, it's. Uh, it's a really. It almost. It's a very personal movie because Bond isn't like set on a mission to take down a you know a drug cartel in a in a fictional country called Isthmus. He's out for revenge. He's out for revenge <laughs> against you know someone who tried to kill his friend. Yeah, and I think that they, that's part of the, you know, Felix's. Um, getting chomped by a shark or i can't remember if it's an alligator in the books or something he gets no 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 case, it gets, is a shark and it was actually in live and let die he was supposed in the book live and let die he gets attacked by a shark in the same way yeah yeah and so it it, it feels like that's a story that has to be told at some point um and it's you know it's, it's appropriate that felix and this is played by david hedison who also played him in live and let die so he you know he thought he'd escape the shark only to come back and get him 16 years later or whatever it is yeah um the um, the point. I, by the way, I would really like to hear uh, Sean Connery say "Ishmush." Uh, <laughs> just be Sanchez. Uh, um, you yeah. want it? You take. You keep it, old buddy. No, you sound like a Star Wars character. Um, yeah. The the um, yeah. You said you said worried. Um, the, the the sort of the, I mean, yeah, revenge. You know, they're always, they always say, don't make this a personal vendetta 007. In a lot of movies, they say it a lot to Daniel Craig. But this is the only time you really see him, like, just doing something on his own. Like, just setting yeah. out completely on his own brief to um, to take down a bad guy. And he is a very bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Robert Davi plays uh, Fran Sanchez, who is a very, he's a very nasty villain. And we see that in the beginning of the film, where he uh, whips poor uh, Talisa Soto, who plays Lupe, and has her... Uh, her lover's heart ripped out and you can hear him screaming in the background yeah it's that's pretty brutal and he, he whips her with like a like a lizard tail or something it's very fucking um yeah uh, nasty um to to use the james bond just the only time in the bond franchise you hear him say anything in like a regional accent he's like things, things are about to get a bit nasty and you're like oh, well okay steady on um the the pre-credit sequence kind of sets out what the what the tone is what the film is going to be like and it's like wow okay we're in florida and what the fuck is like the the taste that felix has like we i'm used to seeing like in every other film we've seen him in like with jack lord and dr no or even david hedison's previous incarnation he has a kind of like sort of urban kind of cool about him a little bit like he feels like someone who you know probably has a bit of a don draper kind of style yeah. about him uh, maybe not so much as he's played in Diamonds Are Forever, for example. But David Henderson lives in this like fucking trashy Miami town. He gets married to some like blonde person half his age in like a bright white church, and it's the most like sort of Mar-a-Lago kind of gross <laughs> Miami wedding in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, it's so it's, Florida. Uh, it's, it's very white. It, yeah. It's very, I mean, I mean, sure, like, Sharky is there, but, like, it's not, it's, it's just so sort of, like, 
Yeah. <laughs> what are these people doing? Like, oh god, Florida. But anyway, my own prejudices aside, it is a great way to set. I mean, the the, the pre credit sequence is just exemplary yeah. in this. But also, um, just like I love, like back then in those movies, they you know the stunt that they do where they put the guy on top of the plane. I mean, they did it before Tom Cruise thought it was cool. Like they, I mean, even in Living Daylights, they have a stunt like that as well. Like they're actually you know doing all this stuff like cutting it together with actors and studios and stuff but it looks really real and it it's yeah. so like exciting to watch yeah i mean i i think that the um yeah i mean i think there is so much in the roger moore movies that is just either fake or dumb or cartoonish that in these two films they do i think go back to a kind of more belt and braces approach and yeah um, they do and i do i do like that but at the same time you know a helicopter lifts up a cessna and like carries it around like a you know like it, it and, and that is so james Bond. it's so silly and it's so bondian in its silliness yeah. um, and i i really um i really like that they they keep hold of that you know i i still think i mean there are people out there who basically think this isn't a bond movie and i think if you watch that pre-credit sequence you know it is it um, is a bond movie it has a guy saying bond james bond in it right, there you go but then again uh, you know so just never say never again um <laughs> less so, said about that that film you know that film's directed by irvin kershner Yes, I just I just saw a poster for it the other day, and I was I was flabbergasted. Um, he also did anyway. RoboCop two. Okay, right. Yeah. Can we move on? <laughs> um, the the scene where they they eat Felix with the shark, they use the shark to eat Felix, is like genuinely horrifying. Like that yeah. is that, because you you see in the in the well, there was a release where they cut this, but in the actual film that you see now on dvd or whatever you see his like leg get completely severed <laughs> yeah they do they the i remember the vhs copy that we had actually cuts around quite a lot of the violence like a lot of the sort of bloody violence and like yes in, in the in the version that i saw it was like oh, oh is that his leg falling off oh shit and stuff like i might i might revise my earlier thing because actually there's that scene and then there's the scene where <laughs> where milton where where Milton I can Crest. just say Anthony Zerby. I love. I want him to be in every film because he is yeah. a funny-looking man. Um, when his head explodes, though, that is very. <laughs> that's just so I mean, we're not doing stupidest bits yet, but that's a contender. Yeah, um, I do love his. I do love his. His like his the way he says that line when the when Pam Bouvier, played by Carrie Lowell, like crashes the boat into the harbor, and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" I just love his delivery of that line. It's so good. He's just such a funny character. Yeah. He's such an, a curious um, specimen, Anthony Zerby, and I'm really glad he shows up in a Bond movie. It feels like the Bond franchise is a good place for weird-looking eccentrics like him. Um, yeah. It's a shame Klaus Kinski never got to play a Bond villain, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, yeah so i mean so you've got like it is a really good cast of characters i also yeah, really the... like by the way that they do that um they do that family thing the bond films sometimes do and they put pedro amenderes jr in there yeah. as the president of isthmus um that's a nice little nod to um his father karen bay yeah exactly um and um yeah there's just tons to like about this i also think carrie lowell and talisa soto do good work yeah generally. i think, I think uh, both of those are really good i think i like 
I think Pam Bouvier is my favorite Bond girl because she can really hold her own. And she's like, you know, even in that bar scene where she like grabs the shotgun and like, you know, fires a hole through the wall, you know that she can take care of herself and she can hold her own against Timothy Dalton, who might be a little bit more experienced than her and able to like, you know, she can talk back to him and say like, you need me and they need each other and stuff like that. So I think for that, she's my favorite. Yeah, she's got a bit of a like Marion Ravenwood quality, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. I yeah. Um, so, um, but also, yeah, so, I mean, I basically, I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board with this movie. Yeah. Um, it's also got a lot of like humor in it, despite yeah. it being, um, you know, a bit um, dark, you know, more gritty, as you said. But it's not, yeah, dark or whatever. It's, it's got moments of like genuine fun, um, which Q's is given having as much to do as he does is is really great. Yeah, I love the. I mean, Desmond Llewellyn, who he actually really enjoyed working with Timothy Dalton quite a bit, and um, he actually felt like. With this movie, he got his money's worth because his his role just gets extended and stuff like that. I just love that moment yeah. where like he goes into the hotel and he says like, "Oh, Mr. Bond, your uncle has arrived. I put him in your suite." And you're like, "Oh, his, his M showed up." And then like he goes into the room and then it's cute. He's like, "Really, 007? It's just like a real like moment of levity and comedy, and it's just it's so nice. This is I really think this film is when um, Desmond Llewellyn has his like Walter Brennan moment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he becomes the sort of stumpy <laughs> to use a sort of Howard Hawks reference. Like he's 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 his sort of old psychic. And yeah, you're right. Their chemistry is really great. Um, I really think I mean, we'll talk about this next week, next week, next time, whatever it is, next episode as well. But Timothy Dalton's a great bond. And yeah, he's everyone really who thinks bond. otherwise needs to go back and rewatch these films because they're not perfect, but they're both like they're both really solid and he brings a different flavor and if you've just sat through seven roger moore movies you are fucking grateful when he shows up yeah and i will say this you don't get craig without dalton correct 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 yeah um, i i actually I, after watching living daylights and license to kill i did write a little bit about why i think timothy dalton could actually be one of the best Bonds and also is a very underrated James Bond. So you can find that uh, on our blog and I'll link it in the episode. So I, I, I really, I felt like I had a lot to say. And there's a really, I saw a clip of him in a documentary called Everything or Nothing, which like goes through the whole history of the Bond movies with like Harry. Yeah, I've seen that. It's good. And like his, like his, you know, the way that he was deciding, because he had been on the shortlist for a while. Like I think even around the time when George Lazenby had left the role, I think they had talked about him, but I think they thought he was a bit too young. And then they went to Pierce Brosnan because he was he was married to Cassandra Harris and she played the Countess and For Your Eyes Only, but he was Remington Steele. And I think Cubby Broccoli was like, Bond can't be Remington Steele. So they got uh, Timothy Dalton. And I think if they went... Well, I think also the people who made Remington Steele were like, <laughs> Remington Steele can't be fucking James Bond. Like, you know, he's yeah, out. but I think, I think if they had they picked Pierce Brosnan at that time, it probably would have been the same sort of style of Roger Moore it would have been on that same wavelength and it would have just they would have just had the same sort of problems but I think I like that they had a big change with Timothy Dalton and because I feel like you know it, I mean Timothy Dalton said you know had I you know followed on from what Roger Moore did I you know I would have said no and you know you know I he you know he went back to the basics with the character he didn't go back to like Sean Connery he went back to the books like he went back to like what was it about this character that that people really loved and you know, in his words, he was like, he was a hero who murdered in cold blood. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I was working. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's more, um, 
he's definitely there's something but there's the, the, the only problem with Dalton I guess is that unlike Craig and I think Craig really gets the character perfectly especially in Skyfall I think both those um, guys get the character really well yeah I just think what Dalton needs a little bit more of is a bit more like cold-bloodedness like I think he still seems a bit likable um yeah. in in especially in in living daylights um yeah, because he's a bit, so he's, a bit... he's so nice. <laughs> yeah, but even though he's get... a little bit like you know rough and tough, he still has a bit of a soft side. And in in this one, it's the soft side has slightly gone away. Even though in the ending of the movie, where it's all like cheery and happy, and like David Hedison is like, "Oh, I lost my leg, and my wife's dead, but hey, I got this nurse. Ugh, she's nice." Oh my God, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and, and by the way, you know when spoiler alert when you ask me what my stupidest bit of the movie is, well you just you just described it <laughs> yeah yeah um but I'll, let's get into that later yeah um, oh i i watched a review by chris stuckman on youtube and he was reviewing this movie and he talked about something which i had never heard of and it's quite you know bit sort of like spooky um you know the uh the the truck chase at the end of the film which is also really great oh yeah Oh, there's yeah. something. There's a bit weird, of a weird yeah. urban legend about that stuff because at the end of the film, there's a moment where, like, a tanker explodes and Timothy Dalton's like, uh, he's he's uh, running away from it, and it's like, you know, just back to like that. The thing I like about that one is that with James with James Bond in these movies, you you kind of get the sense like, oh shit, he might not survive this, which I like. But anyway, there's a production still of that explosion. And in the explosion, and I've seen a bit of the photo, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see what they mean. There's like a flaming hand or an arm in the explosion. And right. John Glenn, the director, went through like all the footage that they had of that explosion. And he couldn't find it at all. Like a lot of weird shit happened on that stretch of road. Like on that stretch of road, there was a car that was filled with nuns and it fell off. The edge of the cliff there were some technical difficulties timothy dalton nearly what, got during the making of the film no not during in the making but like before they got to that place that 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 ha that accident had happened and, it, like I, and I think cliff and even like like john glenn even said like w like a lot of people felt like some really like spooky stuff while making it was very uh, like they described it as a very eerie location weird okay yeah. well Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I'll 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 add the website with with this little thing about the urban legend. It's like if you're into that kind of spooky stuff, then you know, watch it. Creepy. All right. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite scene from the movie? I don't know. I mean, it's one of these. It hang. It's very consistent. Um, I guess the pre-credit sequence is pretty fun. Um, I do also think that the. Uh, oh no! I tell you what, my favorite scene is. I think it's the one where he steals all the money from the drug dealer. He's able to get onto the boat, get off the boat, get onto the plane, and fly the plane away with all the money in it. Like that is such a sort of fun bond moment, and it, and it, because of all the uh, underwater stuff, I feel like it evokes Thunderball, which is one of my yeah. favorite Bond movies. So yeah, I think that's my favorite scene. Yeah, I, I love how he turns into like this little Iago in the way that he sort of like twists sanchez's mind and makes him kill his own dudes yeah i know it's 
it's it's great yeah. uh, it's very satisfying when you've, you've gotten to hate the villain so much yeah. well, what about you do you have a favorite scene uh yeah i think that's actually one of my favorite scenes i think my other favorite scene in the movie which is kind of a th- cathartic moment is when they're in the he's in milton crest's like building and then he throws the money at uh, everett mcgill who plays killifer i think that's such a like cathartic moment because he sort of gets back at the guy who portrayed lighter yeah, and he also throws the security guard in with all the maggots. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he's like bon appetit, and then he like pulls another guy in to like a, you know, you know, with a an electric eel. So that's there's uh, some great wildlife in this film. My goodness, they pull out all the stops. Yeah, um, even even like Sanchez has like a an iguana, pet iguana that he has on his like his like uh, on his shoulder with like diamonds around it. Yeah, there's it scores high on that front. Um, okay, so stupidest bit. Um, so I want to just. So the end of the film, <laughs> I have so many questions. First of all, why the hell, what is Felix so happy about? Um, and with the whole like nurse and like, oh, we'll go fishing. Ha ha ha. It's like this man is, has just had his leg and some of his arm chewed off by a shark and you want to go fishing? Um, hashtag trigger warning. And then, okay, what the hell is he laughing about? Like, he doesn't know what Bond isn't doing. He's probably been in a coma for weeks. And then James Bond is like, ah, I killed this man who killed you or nearly killed you and killed your wife with the lighter. Do you remember the lighter? Felix lighter. And um, and then he's like, ha ha, lol. And, you know, he's probably on loads of drugs. So he doesn't know where he is. Yeah. Fine. So Felix is just, that is just weird and confusing. And then we don't see him again until he turns up and he's played by Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Second uh, thing. Second thing. Why are they having the party at Sanchez's house? Yeah, I always found that really weird. That's my other silly <laughs> moment. Why are they having and, the party and, and there? What are they doing there? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of like dancing on someone's grave a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't I don't mind dancing on his grave, but why have they organized it there? Why have they all why have all these people got surely the last place that uh, that um that that uh, what's her name uh, Carrie Lowell and Timothy Dalton want to go back to is Isthmus. Like, surely there are other drug dealers there who are waiting to like kill them or whatever. Yeah. And like, why not go somewhere else? Why not go back to fucking London or whatever? Um, so yeah. that's an issue. Um, and then the whole um, the the way they treat Talisa Soto's character. So for the whole film, she's been subjected to being the mistress of a horrible man who's old, much older than her. Yeah, and she finds someone that she genuinely falls for and think can, things can protect her and like is genuinely attracted to. And at the end of the film, he turns to her and says, "Sorry, love, I'm not interested in you. Why don't you sleep with the president of this fake country?" Basically saying, "Go back to what you were doing before. Like that's yeah. all you're good for." <laughs> I found. And I... then, and then, Kerry Lowell, he he like he jumps into the pool like a goon pulls her in with him they make out in the pool fine that's kind of cute and then the fish has yeah the fish <laughs> the fish winks the fish fountain the stupid camp fish fountain winks and if you know what Andy, there was a real possibility that the james bond franchise could end after this because the studio was shut down yeah there all was a lot stuff. of you know there was a six year gap until yeah. goldeneye came out so there's a very real possibility that that winking fish could have been the last <laughs> shot in the james bond franchise yeah that's my stupidest bit of the film do you have one yeah i think the fish bit is also my silliest bit and also i don't know why the lighter has to be like a flamethrower like like he's just gonna burn his face off every time he like lights a cigarette or something 
yeah, and also like it, it, it could just do a little spark and it would still light Sanchez on fire. Yeah, just it was that that always feels a bit weird to me and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that. that. Also, he would surely have fixed that, as you said. Like he he's a smoker. Like he he's gonna have fixed his lighter so that if he gives it to someone, they don't burn all their eyebrows off. Yeah, I I mean. I, I, I think actually one of my other things I really like about the film is the callback to him that, you know, when Lighter says he was married once, but that was a long time ago. I did like that little callback to the character. Oh, I hate whenever they call back to that because it's like, yeah, it was a long time ago. It was 20 years ago and he was played by a different actor. <laughs> like, I don't, they don't do that well. They've never done that well because it's like, this, it's implying that the franchise runs in some kind of real time. Um, so I just don't, I don't buy that stuff. Yeah, um, and as soon as I get to Daniel also, Craig. I'm they... sorry, but the woman the woman who plays, uh, what's her name? Uh, um, Della Churchill. Della. Yeah, she's played by she... Priscilla Barnes. Not a good actress. And also, what is, like, why does she want to fuck James Bond so much? <laughs> like, she's just married Felix. And, like, she spends the whole first, the, the whole time she's alive in the film making goo-goo eyes at Timothy Dalton and, like, snogs him at one point. And Felix is just like, yeah, like... that's my girl. <laughs> Yeah, I always found that really weird, even when we were watching this when we were like younger. It's a strange film. Um, yeah, so that's that's that is um, yeah stupid. Okay, what next? Uh, favorite location or like place you want to go to? Oh Jesus Christ! Um, well, what are our choices? Isthmus doesn't exist. Um, I, so. think, I think for me, it would probably be Miami. Oh fuck! Um, I don't want to go to Miami. It's a shithole. Um, I'll go to like maybe the Florida Keys because it's a bit like yeah. I go to Hemingway's house in the Florida Keys and yeah. with all those cats. Yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. Or just just London. <laughs> <laughs> London appears. I'll go to London. Yeah, yeah. It was the first. But, it was the first Bond film to be shot entirely outside the UK. Interesting. Yeah, they shot it in. Uh, they shot a lot. They shot on location in Mexico and the United States. So they had a. They they shot in studios in uh, Mexico at uh, Estudios uh, Shurabusco in uh, Mexico City. Nice, great, good research. Um, so okay, uh, so if you're gonna recast someone in this movie, who are you gonna who are you gonna put in? Um. If I was going to recast anybody, I think I would maybe recast at maybe Anthony Zerb with uh, Brian Dennehy. Ah, the late great Brian yeah. Dennehy. Because I think I think um, Brian Dennehy looks like an actor who could generally fit in a Bond movie. So I think, for that sense, I would probably maybe swap those two guys out. I just think Anthony Zerb needs to be in this film. Um, sorry, yeah, he just has to. There's, he's got to be in there. Yeah. Um, or maybe like so, yeah, or maybe he could play Killifer. I think he would be more actually no, forget that. I think he would him and Everett McGill could like swap out, and then he could be Killifer. I think he would be. A oh, bit... that'd be brilliant! Yeah, and uh, fucking Brian Dennehy, but Brian Dennehy would probably kick the shit out of that shark, though. Yeah, he probably would. He's a big guy. Yeah, he could. Um, yeah, he could kill it. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I would say. Um, you know the little twerp with the briefcase who's always going on about the um yeah. the stocks and yeah, shares the, and things like the, that. The young Redfoot. Yeah. I would love to have him played by a young Tom Cruise. Yeah, that would be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I could I, 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 know, I could see that. Or 
Or like uh or a young Kevin Bacon or something like that. No, 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 no. I specifically want him to be played by Tom Cruise. That's that's how I see it. Like I, I, although you could have the Kevin Bacon, you know, the remain calm. Um, <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my one. Um, yeah. Okay. So finally, rating. Um, I'd say four, four to four and a half martinis. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid four martinis. Yeah. I mean, just the thing I like about this movie: one, Benicio del Toro is fucking creepy in this movie and he was 21 oh yeah we didn't even talk about Benicio Del Toro I think he's rather underused though yeah he was 21 when he was in this movie yeah yeah and his career just fucking skyrocketed after that yeah it was a long honeymoon honeymoon um, <laughs> nice reference uh, right. but also I really like all the the diehard references you got Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson and Michael Kamen who does the music for this movie he did the music. Oh, the music sucks though. Music he did, he is so did, he, like late eighties. Like he, he the, did the music. The... He did the music for these are the movie. These are the movies that he did the music for. He did Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, and Lethal Weapon <laughs> Two, uh, oh. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Last Jesus Boy, Christ. Last Boy Scout, uh, Last Action Hero, Lethal Weapon Three, uh, the Three Musketeers, the Young Swords uh, movie. The Disney one. Yeah, the Disney one with Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, he did a bunch of stuff. He did all the like he did he all also, the He also did the music for Band of Brothers, which is really good. And yes. he did the one of the silliest things that's ever been done in the history of um everything, which is the uh, Metallica album S and M, which they did with the San Francisco Philharmonic. Oh yeah, that's a strange album. He arranged that. That is very fucking weird. Um, yeah. But let, the less said about that, the better. Um, yeah, imagine, imagine if I said that on that tweet, you would have gone angry at me. I would have broken social distancing rules to fly to Denmark, find you, and kick your ass. Um, <laughs> okay, well, Le uh, License to Kill uh, is a good Bond movie. Let's get yeah, out of here. It's a great Bond movie, and uh, definitely should check it out. This so isn't a country club 007. <laughs> your License to Kill is revoked. The Country Club Man is my favorite one of the films. Ge genuinely makes me laugh every time. <laughs> he's, you know what? He's going to go after Sanchez. He's got to be stopped. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. So, You've got to be yeah. stopped. So do check, with, uh, do, check with, do check with us back as we uh, discuss uh, The Living Daylights, uh, Timothy Dalton's first uh, James Bond film on the uh, next episode. So I've been Anders Holmes. Thank you very much for listening and have a good day. Bye. Bye. Stinging in the rain. That's not funny, 007. Where's your butler friend? Oh, he blew a fuse. Shocking. Where's Drax? Oh, he had to fly. Positively shocking. You missed Mr. Bomb. I think he got the point. Right idea, Mr. Bomb. But wrong pussy. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It's a Smith & Wesson. And you've had your six. Hey.